Hey, Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This week's episode is supported by Wick Realty. I recorded all these interviews in my home studio, where I record pretty much everything related to this podcast. My family and I love our house, we love our neighborhood, and we're here because Wick Realty helped us sell our previous home and buy this one. Wick is invested in seeing Amarillo flourish economically and socially for all groups of people. So if you're buying or selling, if you're building, if you're looking for investment property, talk to Katie Wick or one of her outstanding agents. That's wickrealty.com, W-I-E-C-K. So this is a special episode and it's a really personal one. This week marks the one year anniversary of my dad's death. Mike Boyette died on December 16th of 2021, last year at the age of 73, after a year-long journey with brain cancer. Now, last year was a really tough year for our family, uh, obviously, and since I launched this weekly podcast in 2017, the only time I've ever failed to release an interview was the Monday after Dad died. So I'm not going to give you his full obituary, but here's what you need to know. My dad was a cheerleader at Caprock High School. He got his degree from Texas Tech, and then he spent decades as an independent architect here in Amarillo. He specialized in church design, and you've no doubt seen his work. Colter Road, Baptist Church, Trinity Fellowship, St. Hyacinth, and a lot more, including Paramount Baptist Church, where my dad attended and volunteered for 45 years. Now, since I never interviewed him on this podcast, I decided a good way to have him as a uh, quote-unquote guest— was to invite his friends and colleagues to talk about him on today's show. Now, I could do that myself. I could tell my own stories, but you'd only be getting my perspective as his kid. I'd rather you hear about him from his peers. So you'll be hearing a lot of different voices in this episode, and they're all talking about my dad. Um, and I appreciate you listening. Thank you. So here's the Hey Amarillo podcast tribute to Mike Boyette. Okay, my name is Karen Phillips, and I am recently retired from Emerald Area Foundation, and uh, will be doing some consulting and advising work in the nonprofit sector, just on a part-time basis for a while. But looking forward to more free time. Okay, good. Tell me, Karen, how you knew my dad. We met Mike and his family. Um, when they moved to Amarillo and became members of Paramount Baptist, we were where we were. So it's been about 45, 46 Late years 70s. ago. 70s. Of course, so much of my life revolves around who I was pregnant with. <laughs> <laughs> and I was actually pregnant with Courtney. Okay. And so she will be, I think, 45 in December. Okay. So that's, that's a long time. 45 years, it is. Yeah. yeah. When you think about my dad... What are some of the things you think about? Just one of the kindest men I've ever known, you know, a true gentleman, and yet a whole lot of fun, a great sense of humor. And, um, you know, we shared so many different things over the years, traveling and our families with our children all growing up um, together. And we just had a lot of good times, a lot of good camping trips. Is there something specific you remember about his personality or a particular story, anything like that, that comes to mind? 
as you know, our families were often confused. You know, yes. Mike and Rick looked a lot alike. You know, even this past weekend, Jodine and I were together, and this lady said, "Oh, y'all are sisters." And I mean, well, whatever, you know. And of course, all of you kids looked alike. But when Shelby, our youngest, was born, your dad said half the church congratulated him. Yeah. And um, he said after the third or fourth time, he just said, you know, thanks a lot. She's a doll. So um, Shelby has always treasured that. That's always meant a lot to her. And she um, always felt like she sort of belonged to him a little bit too. So, <laughs> Well, and she, she matched up nicely she with did. her blonde She did. She fit right in, you know, just could have easily been... Your sister looked just like Micah in a lot of ways. So. One of the things that, that I always treasured was that so many of our families just did stuff together, you know, for decades. Right. You know, the parents <laughs> did, the kids did, whether it was camping or playing cards or game night and stuff like that. And I, I wonder if you could talk about, like, how that happened or why that happened. Or I mean, can you look back on that and say, oh, this is this is unique? Well, we've talked about that as couples and families in the past. And even just recently, um, on our last trip, as all of us together, when your dad was there with us in 2021, you know, in Lake City, we all were broke. We had no money. (laughs) We were all just trying to get by and raising our families. And um, camping was about the least expensive Thing we could all do together and have a good time and we just went to all different places in Colorado and New Mexico mm-hmm. and um and then even after we began to have maybe a little bit more money there were just such wonderful memories that you know why quit doing that you know we often wondered it was so much work Especially when all of you kids were young, you know, and we'd think, why are we doing it? You know, mm-hmm. but we couldn't wait to do it again. So, My name is Rick Phillips, and I'm retired. I retired back in January of 2014. Now I'm excited that Karen, my wife, is retired, and we can spend more time together and looking forward to that. What I remember about Mike is uh, I always thought he's probably the smartest man I've ever known. He, he just... He could do things I wish I could always do. He could draw. He was an architect. Uh, he just had so many skills and abilities, and I always kind of marveled at that. And he was laid back. I don't know. There was something unique that drew me to him. Um, he was just a very, very special person in my life. One of the uh, the things that you know, our, our families did together was, was always go camping. And, you know, my perspective on those camping trips was as a kid, which was just running around, you know, going from, from tent to tent and family to family. But what was that like as, as dads, because dads get the brunt of a lot of the planning and the setup and all that stuff. I I wonder if you could talk about my dad in that, in that vein. It was a challenge for the dads. You know, we had to, I can just visualize now and see where we camped in Lake City, and, uh, I mean, we just took up so much room. I mean, there were so many, you know, this, you know, the dads had to get there and set up the tents and, you know, build the, the fires and, you know, unload everything out of the cars, and it was, it was just a lot of work. Of course, the, our wives did a lot of work, too, you know, the uh, cooking and taking care of the kids and bathing them, and but, um, you know, Mike never got in any hurry, never— 
got upset. I never saw him lose his temper or get mad or, you know, he just, he was just so calm and laid back and went about his way just to take care of his kids and Jodine and get things set up. And, and then he was uh, on to fishing. He loved to fish. That was just uh, the incentive to get everything done. Yeah, so he wanted he to get it done. done. So then he was uh, he was really a good fisherman. He really enjoyed it. All of our families have continued to get together. And, and most recently, last summer, all of your generation kind of gathered uh, back in Lake City, mm-hmm. uh, where we used to always go camp as kids. Um, and, you know, kind of spent spent that, that weekend together. And I know that, like, we kind of saw that as my dad's last time to go up there. I wonder if you could talk about what that was like. I look back on that. Karen, I've talked about it. It was so special because that's a side of Mike I've never had seen. He just, he talked almost nonstop. I mean, he, he laughed. He just seemed like he was having the greatest time of his life. I mean, uh, it's just a side of Mike I've never seen because usually he was quiet and laid back. And this time he was just right in the middle of everything, talking, and, and of course, he, he fished. You know, they went fishing there every day. My son-in-law, Nate, got to go with him and developed a relationship with Mike, and, and I remember Nate just saying, you know, he's just such a great guy. It was, it was one of the best times I've ever had with Mike and the rest of the, our friends. One, one thing I remember when I was a kid— Separate from the camping trips was that you guys were on a church softball team, like all the dads. Um, I didn't get to see a lot of games because they were late and I would be in bed and dad would get home and I would always ask him if he hit a home run. That was all I cared about. <laughs> and he never he never did. Um, but uh, can you tell me about that? Do you remember anything from that? Yeah, there were some guys. We got together and formed a um, church softball team at Paramount. And uh, I tell you, there was, we had the greatest time. You know, we just got out there and had fun, and we just played the best we could, and none of us were very good. And um, I'm not sure how it happened one time, but I remember Mike, um, I don't know if he, someone threw a ball at him or uh, hit the ball with the bat or but it hit him in the face and left the prints of the softball on his face. And <laughs> one more memory I'd like to really was uh, there was a group of us that started going to Lake City every year on Labor Day. And we'd hiked up to a lake called Devil's Lake. Yeah. The first trip, I think there were six of us, and we just really bonded. We just came so close because we really had to rely on each other up there because it wasn't easy. It was it was hard. And poor old Mike, every year, got altitude sickness and had terrible headaches. And, you know, there's nothing we could do. You know, we just agonized with him and um, – but, he just needed a day or so of yeah, he going around. It took him a couple of days to get then acclimated, then he was okay. But in the in the fishing and just just being together, we had so many crazy stories up there. But that's a, that was a great memory. Yeah, I'm, I'm Chuck Short. Uh, spent 50 years in the wholesale hardware business. Retired a few years ago, and uh, enjoying uh, life in, in retirement. Chuck. Tell me about my dad. I know you've known him for a long time. What what do you remember about him? Jason, I met your dad, I believe, the first time on a mission trip down to Juarez. We joined Paramount in 73, February of 73, which is about 50 years ago now. Well, we went on, we, we took a mission trip down to Juarez. We were going to rebuild this little church building. 
And uh, I didn't know anybody, you know. We were working in the youth already, and so I didn't know anybody our age guys, you know. And uh, we got on, get on a van to drive to El Paso, and, and that's when I met your dad. And uh, I had I knew of him, but I knew he was an architect, and my dad was an architect. And I had a degree in drafting technology, and I for about 300 miles I tried to convince him that an architect and a drafting technology guy were the same levels, but I, 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 it wasn't successful. He didn't buy it. He didn't buy it, and uh, we, we made it all the way down there and had a great time rebuilding this church and just had great fellowship. And then we all went over to Juarez the morning before we left because a lot of them hadn't been there before, and and then uh, got in the bus and drove all the way home. It was uh, Zane Henderson was another guy that was there, but yeah. that's the first time I recall meeting your dad. We got to the little dorm at the church we were going to at about 2.30 in the morning, and it was locked. And that was where we were going to sleep for two nights. So I believe it was your dad, but he says, man, just get out your keys. We're just going to try these locks. And I believe it was one of your dad's house keys that opened the door to this church. Really? Let us in. Yeah. Yeah, it was that thing. That was ingenious because there's probably 75 keys sending around here, you know. And that's how we got in that building. Huh. But that was the first memory I have of... of you know, of your dad or being around your dad. And I mean, you are somebody I've always thought of as a handy person who can build anything. And and my dad is an architect uh, and I I feel the same about him. And thinking of the two of you, like working together on building something in Mexico. Yeah. That, that, that fits. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was perfect. I mean, everything, everything worked great. Once I kind of let my ego down and said, I guess I'm not an architect. I just (laughs) thought I was, you know, and, uh, but we had, we had a great time. And I remember, couple of more trips. We left, uh, we went south somewhere and went through, I think it was uh, McLean is on 287. And he says, that was the first building I ever designed. It hmm. was a little uh, gin or uh, granary or something down there. And every time I go through there, I think of Mike saying, that was my first building. I don't know what that building is. Yeah. It's a, it's a granary or a uh, cotton gin office, just okay. kind of light green metal building that he had done. And he said that was the first thing he ever designed. What do you remember about him? Just, uh, you know, you guys were, were peers. You had kids the same age. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you went camping and backpacking, did all kinds of stuff together. What do you remember about him just personality-wise? Oh, just easy going as can be. And so, so patient, you know. He'd work with you guys as as we all would. You know, everybody took care of everybody's kids, you know, on those camping trips when there was 20 one year there's 25 kids under nine i think <laughs> and uh, so you you just learn to love on the kids all the way around and mike was just like you know all the others he just so patient it's sit there if somebody wanted to weave uh, dandelions you know to make a uh, hair uh, ornament you know he'd sit mm-hmm. there and help them weave the dandelions you know and 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 he was really good fishing too i mean he would take some guys under his wing you know that weren't as accomplished as he was, you know, and uh, and was always willing to slow down a little bit and help somebody learn what, what they need to do or spend time with them. So it was great. Tell yeah. me about him as uh, as a fly fisherman, because I know you guys fish together, you know, whether with kids around mm-hmm. or on your own backpacking trips. Yeah. Uh, even last year, you know, mm-hmm. Lake City, the, the last yeah. vacation you all had yes. together. Uh, um, uh-huh. Tell me about that. Oh, we, we always had a good time. Uh, we we take so much stream, stream, you know, when you're fly fishing, you can't be right on top of each other. And I'm a little faster fly fisherman. I don't, I'm not as patient as your dad was. So I'd get off, and then they'd leave me some stream, but I generally always fish up right behind somebody. Mm-hmm. So I was a little faster, less patient. You know, your dad would work a hole, 
Boy, he'd work that hole for everything it's worth. He gives me, I know there's one in here. I said, oh, there's got to be, you know. And he'd finally snake one out of there, you know. He just had the patience to do that. Where I would try, if I got three good casts, I'd go on to the next hole. I'd say, yeah. you know, just walk on upstream. There's another riffle over here, a rock over there. But he was real patient with that. But he loved, just loved to fish. Is there a story that you remember about my dad or that you tell pretty often, whether it's one of those trips or, or something else? Yeah, we had an altitude uh, a tester all the time because we knew when Mike started getting a headache and started getting sick, we knew we'd gone about as high as we needed to go, mm-hmm. you know, from Mike's standpoint. But it was it was kind of fun uh, sitting there with other men uh, in similar life stages, you know. And, you know, first we're talking about, you know, the first child coming, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? You know, how is this going to work? And then it went on to, you know, well, they've got them in school now. Now what are we going to do? You know, they want to play soccer. Your kid's playing soccer. What You know, what's going on? And then – Job issues, and then, you know, uh, where are we going on vacation, and, you know, all those issues, and then how are we going to retire? And have you had a knee replacement yet? You know, have yeah. you had this procedure done? You know, just it's just all life kind of went on, you know, and, you know, for all of us about the same time, it was it was great. And that, I mean, to me, that seems so rare, you know, to yeah. have a, a group of friends like you guys yeah. who just have been together for yeah. 40 years, 50 yeah. years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it was great, Jason. I wouldn't take for anything for, for the experiences we had. And so many, a lot of them weren't necessarily just camping or fishing, but, you know, we ended up in the auto body and paint and repair shop at yeah. Amarillo College. And we took As that, a bunch of a bunch of grown adults, oh, you yeah, know, taking yeah. that class together. <laughs> yeah. On Thursday night, we'd, we'd meet there, and uh, it was almost like a deacon's meeting. We just had a bunch of good guys at the church, and and it just became a, kind of a Thursday night fellowship for us. And uh, I remember when your dad broke his hip, wasn't it? And, uh, yeah, it was in the 90s at uh, Skiing Taos. Yeah, Skiing yeah. Taos. And uh, he was working on the Z car, the mm-hmm. 240. His 280ZX. 280ZX. And also yeah. had a 300. Maybe it was a 300 at that yeah, point. Yeah, but uh, it was in, it was the gray one, and it was yeah. in, in quite uh, need of repair and had a few little dents and dings. And, and uh, when he couldn't uh, finish it, because he had so much open metal, well, I'd go by and get it on Thursday nights, and we'd take it to the school, and then we, because the rest of us were just hobby projects, and we'd work on Mike's car, and uh, I think Howard Terry was the professor there, and I, I worked on that right front fender, you know, he says, you know, you can buy another fender, I said, yeah, but it's not the one that came on the car, and I worked on that thing, I worked on that thing, and he kept, he'd come by there all the time, and said, I don't think Mike could even notice, you know, why don't you just buy another vendor? And I said, ah, I would. So, and, well, we got it all back together and painted and everything, and everybody helped. And then, you know, when somebody else had a problem, we'd help, you know. But your dad would help with anybody, you know, it didn't matter what it was. He was he was a helper. It was good. This I was always admired your dad because he, in his mind, he designed and then finally built a home for his family and the home that you grew up in and the home that your mom still lives in. And it served the family well. You know, it's kind of hard to estimate how long this is going to last or we're going to have to have more or whatever. But man, he was right on the money. And uh, as far as I know, everything, once he got the little drainage thing kind of worked yeah. out. You know, the, uh, he added to his closet. It was a little small yeah, yeah. to start. Yeah. Yeah. But everything just seemed to work out so well. And I, I had visions of doing that myself, but I just never, you know, never acted on it, you know, but I was always impressed that Mike could set that, had that vision and mm-hmm. could set a goal and somehow he's going to get there. I'm Rod Schroeder. I was retired superintendent, superintendent for 15 years in uh, Emeryville Independent School District. Rod, tell me about uh, your relationship with my dad. Well, we had a an interesting relationship, I, I think, a uh, good relationship. Um, the things I 
most remember our camping. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a lot of camping and fishing together, and Mike loved to fish. And uh, I don't know of anybody who would get up and do suicide runs to Cimarron Canyon. <laughs> in, Except in my me, cer- because he taught me to <laughs> yeah, do that. Yeah, he taught you to do that, too. Yeah, so it's a boyette thing. But yeah. I don't know anybody in our circle of friends that would camp and fish together would do that other than Mike. And and he loved to fish like that. And, of course, I think he found some peace in it. Mm-hmm. And um it was enjoyable being it's it's fun to be on the stream there's no question about that but he he really did love that it. so so i remember those camping experiences those fishing experiences the hikes to devil's lake and the camping in the meadow and and all the fun we had all the jokes that we shared with each other the tricks we played on each other and and things like that and that but the second thing that i i remember most is the saturday mornings mm-hmm. that we would get together there were four of us and uh, we actually met in your dad's office yeah um and we did that for years we'd buy some donuts and go and, and talk about spiritual things and encourage each other sort of an accountability group uh, we talk about scripture and uh, what it means to our lives and um, I know that scripture was really, really important to your dad. You could see it in what he said and and, and how, how he lived too. But um, and you guys did that like week after week oh, for years. I mean, for that's, years, this, yeah. The yeah, consistency is, of it is pretty remarkable. It is. It's. It was not just a four or five year deal. We, mm-hmm. I think, we were in there about twenty years uh, doing this kind of thing. So. It was something I didn't want to miss, mm-hmm. you know, because I love being with uh, those guys, and uh, it was always fun to be there. And we've eventually moved over to Henry D's. Yeah, and uh, we finished up there. Um, so. Yeah, you guys outlasted Henry D's. Even, yeah, I think. <laughs> one of the things that I wanted to ask you about because this is this is one of those weird parts of my dad's legacy. You know, he's known for designing, you know, churches and buildings and stuff that's kind of prominent. But like he also designed the elementary school gyms, mm-hmm. you know, those metal boxes mm-hmm. that all of us kids grew up in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, as as uh, someone who was guiding AISD, you know, around that period, like I wonder if you could just comment on um, on the utility of something like that, that that's part of what dad did. Oh, yeah. The, very important. Uh building for our campuses. I mean, it was really a step up to have those facilities at those elementary campuses, and they were used by the PE teacher. Uh, prior to that, you know, PE teachers sort of worked in the cafeteria. And, right. I remember and, jogging around yeah, the cafeteria yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah, they, ju- they just didn't have anything. And so your dad's work on that really provided uh, for a lot of kids in this city uh, a place that they could actually run and play ball and, and do things, you know, that were really f- in line with physical activity. Yeah. Uh, so, and it know, wasn't it, sexy. You no, know? it was not. In it, fact, I talked, we talked together about on how those were designed and, you know, cause I was, I think I was still superintendent at that, or I was superintendent at that time. And of course I used your dad for a lot of expertise on mm-hmm. architecture and, and design, building design, because I had a lot of that going on. Even if he wasn't on the project, I would use him as a sounding board to, to clarify, you know, what, what an architect might be saying to us. So, you know, architects um, take a person's ideas and they put them on paper. And a lot of times when the people see those ideas on paper, they don't like it. So why did you draw it that way? And there's, there's really a lot of criticism for architects, to be truthful with you, in the business. 
It's easy to blame it, them. Yeah, <laughs> it is easy to blame them, you know. And your dad taught me, you know, how to handle criticism because he would uh, build a, a model or lay out a set of plans, uh, and people say, well, I don't like that. And he had to be tough-skinned mm-hmm. to be able to say, okay, that's fine. I appreciate that. Now help me do you know, design something that you really want. But that's, I learned that from your dad because I saw in his work, number one, the criticism, and it happens at every architect. And I've talked with architects since that time because of your dad's uh, approach to that. And they said, yes, we take criticism. We, have, we understand the criticism goes with the job. But criticism also helps us really get to the end goal of what the, what the person wants. And so that's one thing I really remember how your dad taught me about uh, that component of his job. One other thing I, I do remember is your dad's love for music. And I was it really stunned me that here an architect, a guy who's dealing with buildings and things, really had sort of a fine arts slant to him. And uh, he loved to play the violin. He loved to play it in church. And his dedication to music uh, was another thing that inspired me. Okay, uh, this is Gus Cortez. Um, I'm a friend and colleague of uh, Mike Boyette. We worked together at Lavin Architects uh, for all the years that he was there. So I had started, uh, I was there before he got there, but Mike came in and we had been uh, pretty close colleagues once he got there. So, How many was- years did you guys work with each other? Gosh, that's got to be a, over five years at least. Uh, I want to say he even said that it was like 10. So <laughs> time flies and you're just like, wow, this is crazy. He, he spoke of you, Gus, um, as the young guy uh, that he worked with. Uh, were you fairly new at that point? I mean, were, were you pretty early in your career? No. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm currently, I'm about to turn uh, 50 in February. Okay, uh, so, so <laughs> not that young. I'm not so young anymore. Uh, so I had to be at least in my late thirties when he uh, when he started. It was yeah. comparatively young. He would have been in his fifties <laughs> or so at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Mike was uh, the OG architects of Amarillo there for me at least. So <laughs> one thing I'm interested in, you know, he had worked as an independent architect for a couple of decades at that point. And then, you know, at Lavin, he was coming into a firm and working alongside others. Is is there like, do you, can can you speak about that at all? Did he bring a certain skill set that maybe was a little different because of that background he had? Oh, absolutely! Especially his uh, background in uh, construction and uh, working with uh, one of the construction um, construction firms there in Amarillo. So he he definitely brought that that part of it. Uh, that as we architects kind of uh, joke around that dark side. <laughs> <laughs> of the field uh but yeah he he was able to definitely bring that talent in and also just his experience throughout the decades i mean uh mike was a, a wealth of information um I, I went to him very often just for uh questions and uh guidance and he's definitely one of the three or four uh influential men that invested in me uh in my career so so yeah he was definitely a great value there at Lavin. What can you tell me about his approach to his work? You know, maybe creativity, maybe problem solving. I mean, what what was he like as an architect at work? He uh, is definitely uh, 
diligent. He was definitely very detail-oriented. He wanted to do the job as best as uh, we could provide for the client. He really had a, a mindful approach when it came to definitely budget. Like I said, his background uh, definitely influenced his decisions in uh, the approach he made with his designs, with his projects. So uh, he's definitely a creative in the sense that uh, sometimes you just really uh, have to be creative in uh, going from one part of the design in the early phases, uh, you know, when everything's a little bit more grand and then you have to be creative and trying to bring that, you know, vision, that grand vision uh, to something that meets the budget and the construction, the constructability of, uh, of the project. So he was definitely keen on those, those issues, those insights. Was, was there anything within that office um, at Lavin? Like, did, did he play a certain role, whether in terms of his skill set or personality? Like, it, what role did he play in that office environment? Well, he was definitely one of the lead uh, architects there. Um, Tom Lavin really uh, would rely on him, especially for uh, being able to get some estimates going. He was definitely reliable in leading projects from beginning to end and you know really leading a team of uh consultants us in the office who were uh working on the project as well as you know just uh working with the clients so he was he was definitely a, a key member uh there at the office for sure and just as a final question one of the things that that I'm always interested in is you know I I know him as my dad I know him within the family and you know, we don't always know the personalities of people when they're at work because it's it's in a separate sphere. I didn't I didn't spend much time with him at his office. So tell me what he was like just as a colleague, as as somebody in the room with you, spending, you know, eight hours a day together. You know, I mentioned that he was diligent. He was always there at the same time. He would leave at the same time. He was always friendly, always helpful. Um, even under pressure, he uh, remained composed. Because there are those times, uh, those stressful times where you can uh, definitely not be as professional as uh, you hope to be. But Mike always uh, maintained a level head and um, a professionalism that uh, was definitely an example for me uh, looking on. But yeah, he cracked jokes, um, just, you know, it was a, a, a part of the firm. You know, he really uh, was involved. He would also bring a, he would share with me, you know, just the spiritual side of himself as well. Uh, I think that was an important part of, uh, you know, he was definitely someone who was very involved in church and just really, he reflected that in his his, his uh, work life and uh, work ethic as well. So, so yeah, that, you can definitely see all those things, but he was definitely a fun person to be around, you know, poking his finger uh, at me, at, uh, you know, at times, which was, which was fun. It made, it made me feel like, uh, you know, we had a, you know, a good friendship. A uh, good bond there. So, my name is John Jenkins. I'm local architect here in Amarillo. Practiced since 1973. And you worked alongside my dad at Lavin Architects for several years, right? Previously, Lavin Architects. It's Sims Architects now, and I'm not sure I can tell you exactly how long it was. <laughs> several years, though, right? Uh, uh, yes, decade maybe. Okay. Tell me, um, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of my dad's friends. I haven't talked to very many 
architects. What, what can you tell me about my dad as an architect? I admired his resourcefulness. When he and I had a project of our own, we knew what was going on, but then every now and then we would inherit a project from other architects and have to figure it out. And I admired his resourcefulness. <laughs> Figuring out sort of the, uh, the vision that they might have had that was transferred to you? Well, yes, exactly. How do you execute that design that you weren't familiar with until it showed up on your desk? So. Both of you have had been in the industry a lot of changes. You know, I know when my dad started, he was sitting at a drafting table doing everything by hand. As um, was I. And, you know, navigated technology and learning computer software and, and all that kind of stuff. Did, did you guys, as I imagine you as, as sort of the, uh, the older, more experienced architects in the room, you know, toward the ends of your careers, what yeah. was that like? It's not the end of my career yet. <laughs> Still, Yours is ongoing. Yeah. It was really better starting out trying to relearn one now is a problem, but uh, we were given time mm-hmm. to learn it. And What was he like in the office? Because he worked for himself for a long time before mm-hmm. he ended up in a firm with, you know, with peers. A man of absolute integrity. I, I appreciated his honesty and not very eloquent, but that's what it is. What, uh, what can you tell me about his creativity as an architect? That goes back to solving other people's problems is that, he could find solutions through research and study. Very encouraging. He and I somewhat competed on problems sometimes, and I'm not sure I had a winning record. <laughs> <laughs> could could you tell me just maybe a few of the projects that he worked on or that the two of you worked on together that people might, you know, have driven past or, or be aware of? Um, we worked together on the J. Lee Milligan building out Way out northeast, Merrick Pet Care over in Hereford. He worked some on the Bell Helicopter projects out by the airport. Those were big projects. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you ever get a sense of, you know, since he spent so much time as an independent architect um, before the, the last part of his career, you know, working for someone else, uh, did, did that reflect in his work ethic? Or- oh, absolutely. Uh, Somebody with his experience and his knowledge, he didn't require a lot of hovering. It was, here's the job, Mike, and, you know, <laughs> within a couple of months, you got it. <laughs> so it wasn't, yeah, he didn't need anybody holding his hand. He could handle it all. A great respect for him as a person and an architect. Hi, I'm Victor Miller, and I'm the executive pastor at Paramount Baptist Church. Okay, Victor, how long... Uh, did you know my dad? Like, when did you guys first meet? I think I've known your dad for 40 plus years. Did you know him when you were in high school? Like before you entered the the grown-up world? Yeah. And before I actually became an adult at Mm -hmm. the church, I was a a youth at the church and I I knew your dad not well at that Mm -hmm. time, but I, I knew who he was and, and recognized him as as a leader in our church. Okay, and so I I know that eventually, uh, as you grew into your career, uh, you ended up in youth ministry positions and a number of leadership roles at church at Paramount, and uh, Dad was involved in a lot of those. So tell me me about some of the ways you interacted with him. Well, he was a Sunday school teacher in our our youth ministry, and I had interaction with him when I started out in ministry, in, in ministry with students. 
And so he would teach Sunday school. He would go to a youth camp as a as a sponsor and spend the night in a in a dorm with a bunch of crazy teenagers and uh, and and loved it. He grew up as I grew up and started teaching in the, in the adult division when I started uh, overseeing ministries in, in that area. He was a faithful choir member. He was a member of our orchestra and faithful in his profession as an architect. Anytime our church needed the services of an architect, obviously he was our go-to guy because mm-hmm. he had a long history with, with the church, with Paramount, and he knew the church. He knew each of the different building phases, and uh, if there was a question, he had the answer. He was and involved so, in multiple, like new builds, remodels of existing buildings. Like It was a variety of things. Exactly, and he knew when... when this phase was was constructed, and how the next one tied into the previous one, mm-hmm. and uh, he knew he knew what was behind that wall uh, when nobody else did. So I, I learned a lot about the structure of Paramount Baptist Church uh, from from your dad, Mike. One of the things that I always well, when I was young, I thought this was real cool about my dad was that he taught tenth or eleventh grade girls Sunday school. You know, when I was probably seventh grade and I looked up at those, you know, 16 year old girls and I thought, oh, my dad just spends every Sunday with all these cute girls. I, I wonder, like, could you talk about how he was, like what you know of him as a, as a teacher or as a leader with, you know, with kids in that position? Your dad was, was a laid back, gentle, kind individual, uh, a great listener. And so, uh, in he, in his teaching style and his gentle style, he would just uh, listen and and guide uh, teaching, you know, biblical truth to to teenagers on their level, <laughs> whether it was with uh, teenage guys or teenage girls. Uh, but he just just had a way of just communicating, and uh, just mainly his life was the communication tool as much as as much as his words just just because he was so well respected and thought of and smiled all the time uh was always uh, a happy person to be around you have a sense of maybe what kind of influence he had you know being being part of a church body for 40 plus years and ha- not just attending, but you know, shaping the way the buildings looked and the flow of traffic on a Sunday morning. Like, do you have a sense of of maybe the legacy that he left and how it's connected to Paramount Baptist Church? First of all, I'd have to say he was one of the most respected people in our church. Whether he was serving as a deacon or whether he was an architect representing, you know his firm or, you know, helping us navigate that process. Uh, but he just, he just had a feel for how things needed to flow at church and things that most people wouldn't even think about. He, he had a, an attention to detail uh, and just, just knew how things would, would work and fit together. And he just came, came to be, for me, as well as hundreds of people in our church, just a trusted individual who had the best interests of Paramount in mind, and uh, and he was he, he knew how to put his his intelligence to work on behalf of the church in very practical ways. One of the things I've found in in working with the city is that you have um, a lot of 
a lot of individuals who do a lot of work. It's sort of the 80-20 rule. You know, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And, and finding reliable people who have a vision, who are trustworthy, who can get things done, like that's so important in any organization. I wonder, yeah. like, I get a sense that my dad was one of those people at Paramount for decades. And, and I wonder if you could speak to that as just someone you can rely on to to teach Sunday school, to build a building, like any of those things. Yeah, you, Jason, you're so right. Uh, that That's a, a great statistic and pretty accurate that uh, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And and your dad was certainly in in that group. Uh, I cannot remember there ever being a need that I would reach reach out to him, to him to see if he would help or lead or facilitate or teach or uh, lead a meeting, make a presentation to the church about a building project or something like that. Uh, be available to answer questions. And he had on the table a standard yes to whatever the need was, whatever he could do to help. His answer was yes, I'm I'm available. And uh, and he was just one of those guys, you know. He had has all the abilities, uh, but I've got a I've got a plaque that hangs on my wall that says God doesn't ask about our ability or our inability, but mostly our availability. And that was your dad. He was available, whatever the need. My name is Beverly Storseth. I am a retired age. I'm still teaching ESL at our church. And How long have you known my dad? When, when did you meet? I've been trying to figure that out. We moved to Amarillo in 76, and I think the Boyette family moved shortly. 77. Close by, we um, both were members at Paramount Baptist Church, and so that's where our families met and through the activities there. The the story Amy and I tell all the time is that um, we've known each other since we were very tiny children. Obviously, I don't remember mm-hmm. not knowing her, but do you remember like your first first meeting my family, like my parents? Do you remember anything about that? I don't remember the first time. I look back and the I look at the things that we both families started doing. Like Mike and I were teaching in the uh, youth. Dick was already up there teaching youth. If that was our first connection, then it was there. Jodine and I uh, were both in a handbell group that played at the church. So we met each other there. Mostly all of our involvement came um, because the church was our main activity. It was where we were. That's That was our main connection, was that we were there. What's something you remember about my dad from back then, you know, when all us kids were young, when he was still young? Yeah. Does anything stand out? Mike was always just steady. I, I mean by saying no matter what we were doing, um, because the two couples— ran around together. We've just done things together for years and years. And I I think Mike is one of those that you could enjoy the laughter with him or whether he was involved in music or what it was, but he was just constant and steady. Um, He's one of this group that we've all run around together uh, 
the men are just men of integrity. And so when you say that, you know that they're consistently honest, they're good, they're good to their families. If they made a commitment, they followed through with it. They gave of their gifts or whatever they wanted, what, what they could do. And Mike was that kind of person. He he loved music, so he shared his ability with the violin. And he liked teaching. He was gifted in teaching, so he taught. He was wise. And so in places of leadership, as like at the church, he was always involved in that. He was committed to whatever that group was doing. The fun that we all had when we went camping together. As much as I was around Mike, I never saw any attitude or unkindness. So to me, I guess that's just, he was steady. I mean, he was who he was, you know. I want to ask about that steadiness because one of the jokes between our two families, the Storsis and the Boyettes, because we've traveled together and done stuff mm-hmm. all the time. And our families have been in a number of crisis situations yes. <laughs> um, involving health scares and accidents and all those kinds of things. Sometimes my dad was the victim. Sometimes, you know, Dick, my father-in-law, your husband was the victim. Tell me about my dad in those circumstances. And because he was steady, he was very laid back. He was pretty low key. Mm-hmm. What was he like, you know, during those times of, of intensity? Well, when he was in pain... <laughs> Like when he had a kidney stone one time and we were traveling, he was typically anyone that would be in pain at that at that time. And so we were all trying to help him and he was he was just in a lot of pain. Then when we got to the hospital and situations like that, he just wanted to make sure everybody was taken care of. And um then when he came out of that, he was <laughs> Dick went in to see him and he was just sitting there very calmly. Because the kidney stone evidently had passed. And so there we were back, ready to load the car back up again and head back home. When Dick had a critical accident, when we were, uh, again, the families were playing in the snow and doing things up in the mountains, it was a critical injury. And Mike needed to help me take charge of the incident and get our families out of there make the decisions on where to go and um, how to get the best medical care that we could. Then he made the decision to help bring the children home. And and then when both Dick faced cancer, Mike was there. It was a journey, a lot of unknown, a lot that we just it hit us at a time in our life when we just started looking at retirement. And I can remember the night we told them, you know, Mike's first response before he said anything was for us to pray together. That was just what we did as a couple. And um, and then Dick came through that. We had some time period after that, only then for Mike to be diagnosed. So we started a journey together again. You guys spent a lot of time together last yes. year. Yes. Which I appreciate. Tell me tell me about some of those times. I mean, it was almost weekly. Yes, we did. We got together nearly every, on the weekend, usually every Friday night or Saturday night, and played games, card games, table games. At the end of a week, whenever you'd been through chemo or treatment or whatever had gone on, 
it was just, um, it was our time for friends. And then we could talk. We shared how the week had been, looked at what was ahead. We were just there for each other. And so I don't, I don't know any other way to state that except friends in the good times, friends in the bad times, whatever it was, we knew that we could count on each other. What's one big thing you remember about him? I was always amazed at the amount that he read, how he read books, diversified, could always talk to you about anything if you wanted to bring up that subject. And, uh, of course, his mark and his architect throughout the city um, sounds like an old phrase, but when you, you go through life, they always say if you can find five friends that stay with you throughout life, then you have five of the greatest gifts. And so we count um, Jason's parents as that kind of gift. I'm Dick Storseth. I'm a retired pharmacist. I had Village Pharmacy in Wolfland Village for over 25 years. and Like a lot of people, you had a, a, a lot of experiences with my dad. Yes. Camping, backpacking, raising all those kids together. What What do you remember about those early years, you know, when he was not yet in, you know, the, the granddad phase or not yet thinking about retirement, but was still like a, a dad? Well, I, I remember your dad in a lot of ways. One, we were deacons at church together, so we had a lot of interaction there. And then we taught together up in the youth area together and uh, did that for years and uh, just had a lot of interaction with that. Mike always amazed me when he started his business to just start one on your own like that. Uh, just make a go of it and gradually make it work. Just amazed me how he was able to do that in an architecture business. I just didn't think that was... Uh, an easy option. Well, and it wasn't. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. And he, he struggled through it, but architecture was an interesting thing any, anyway for, for me. But uh, Mike just amazed me how it was just so e- ease for him. He could talk about it. He could draw things for you, explain it to you. Uh, but we had a lot of interaction, uh, fishing and camping, and uh, had just a lot of really close, good times. Mike made his own flies, so that was always a fun mm-hmm. time for us talking and watching him sit there and work on making his own flies to go fly fishing. That was more than I ever wanted to do, and he just loved it. So One of the, one of the things that I, I think is unique about your relationship is that uh, you and my dad and, and a couple of other men were part of, I guess, a casual sort of Bible study group, sort of just guys hanging out every Saturday morning group uh, that I got to participate in for, for several years. And I wonder like what that consistency of spending a couple hours together every Saturday morning for literally years and years and years, it, what that does for a, We had a, started out with a larger group and met and just, it was just really good interaction for us to study the Bible together and talk and, and just ha- to have time with other men who were going through the same things we were. As time went on, people began to move and change, and that was just it was just part of life, what you expected. And it was just a good interaction for us to be able to talk and share about anything that was going on and pray about it. It was just a good fellowship that 
nobody put together. It just came together and just went on for years and years and years. I mean, both of you were running your own businesses. Oh, yes. You had that kind of stuff to decompress about or talk through. You, we, that's what we did. We'd talk through things. Or if, uh, if I had a problem or a question, he might know somebody in that area uh, or somebody else have an, an idea. Of course, Mike being in architecture was so far off anything else. And, and we talked a lot about what he did and who he worked for. And it was just amazing to me, architecture anyway, but he just relaxed with it. It wasn't any big deal. He loved what he did, and he he just wanted to keep on doing it as long as he could. What's something you remember about his personality? Mike was just totally easygoing. Uh, he would listen to you and talk to you about any situation. I loved being with him because he was totally relaxed no matter what the situation was. We He didn't get upset uh, or concerned about a problem. If we needed to deal with it or take further steps, uh, that's where he was. That's why he was a good deacon. It was just always easy. He would have a thought that would take a direction that nobody else really went that way. And it was just good to hear his opinion or his thoughts and what he direction he thought we needed to go. The other thing I wanted to ask is about the time that, that you guys spent together um, going backpacking. You know, a, a lot of the times... All of our families were together and we were all camping and it was just chaos, you know, with 30 something kids. Um, but all you dads started doing your own backpacking yes. trips without the kids, um, which I imagine must have been like a really nice escape for you. And can, tell me about that. It was a, a learning process, I think, for all of us to, to what to put together to take up there mm-hmm. and what you need and what you don't need. I always remember when we backpack up. Late in the year, the, the guys would just go. Mike would always, that last side of mountains we went up, he would get up there and then he'd just be worn out. Mm-hmm. He'd, just, he'd just sit down and just try to catch his breath and get started again. But it was the same way every time. But he loved every bit of it. He loved being up there in the mountains. He loved the fishing and the fellowship. It was just, a, it was a great time for all of us. And uh, there again, it was just a good time for a group of men to be together and just talk about whatever we wanted to talk about, and yet we relaxed and crashed when we needed to crash and go to bed and get up in the morning and fix breakfast. It was just a fun time. The The other thing I'm struck by is just the rarity of a a group of men or families that have relationships that have now lasted 50 years, nearly 50 years, if not that, um, that, that dad was part of. So like, tell me just for you personally ab- about the value of that and the role my dad played in that. Oh, it was, it was great to have a relationship with another family like that. Mike and I both felt like anything that was going on in our families, we could talk to each other about. And if we needed to discuss something or I need to get his opinion of what was going on here, that he could give me a, a, an idea or help, he would always do that. And it wasn't, you're doing this wrong. Whatever. It, he just really thought through and gave you some options of what to do. And, of course, our families grew up together. Our kids did. And we think back to that, all we did for years and years and years together and trips we made. We were two families together, but it was almost like we were one family. And you and my two kids, you're, and y'all grew up together. And when we went somewhere and decided to do something, that was one of the things, well, let's see if, Mike and Jodine want to go. And we we just went places and just take off and go. And uh, 
not worry about things or worry about how things went with the kids because the kids got along and took you all the way up to you getting married to my daughter. So mm-hmm. it, it was just a, a, a wonderful process. And it was so nice to be able to know and always know Mike was going to be a, an example in just a way that made it easier to talk through some situations that the kids had. And it was always nice that I knew I could talk with him just about anything. And we'd talk through and work through the situation. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to everybody who participated in this project. There were quite a few tears as we recorded these interviews. I also want to say thanks to sponsors Wick Realty, SKP Creative, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for supporting the show. I didn't have an eight straight in this episode, which is usually sponsored by Panhandle Plains. But one of my dad's last big outings last year was when our family took him to see the Emil Bistrom exhibit at PPHM. Dad was in a wheelchair at the time, but he really did enjoy the artwork. He used to take me to the museum when I was a kid, and it was gratifying for me to take him to see a place that uh, I found valuable in his final months. And one more thing, for the last few weeks of the year, Hey Amarillo has been using this space for a special nonprofit highlight sponsored by SKP Creative. And this week's nonprofit is the Vessel of Humanity and Compassion, the organization founded by Tremaine Brown. You might know Tremaine from Shiley's Barbecue and Soul Food, uh, from his November 2020 interview on this podcast, or from the countless giveaways of food, um, Christmas gifts, coat drives, and all the other activism he spearheads in Amarillo every year. Tremaine is tireless and inspiring. I'm always stunned by how much he's doing when I end up talking to him. And the Vessel of Humanity and Compassion is the nonprofit that makes all that work happen. So you can learn more about his work at beblessedbythevessel.org. And thanks again to SKP Creative. Hey Amarillo exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you and the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. Hey Amarillo's executive producers include Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Corey Burns, Jess Heredia, Wilson Lemieux, Josh Wood, Patrick Burns, Wes Reeves, and Barbara and Jim Witten. This has been episode 278. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.